возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которая очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это – да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Тот же Бог, 
что за Давида был сегодня с нами есть. Ныне он, ныне он, тоже есть, тоже есть, он сегодня с нами есть. Ныне он, ныне он, тоже есть, тоже есть, он сегодня с нами Пред человеком не падал Даниил, То в длины ров на гибель врагами брошен был. Там львам голодным пай сокрыл могучий Божий пест. Тот живот, что с Даниилом был, Сегодня с нами есть. Ныне он, ныне он, тоже есть, тоже есть, он сегодня с нами есть. Ныне он, ныне он, тоже есть, тоже есть. Сегодня с нами есть. Когда Иона Бога послушать не хотел, В китовом темном чреве Три дня молясь сидел. Потом, смирившись скорбный час, Понес он Божью весть, Тот же Бог, что для Ионы был, Сегодня с нами есть. Ныне он, ныне он, Тот же есть, тот же есть, Он сегодня с нами Thank you. 
Before we continue to submerge into the inheritance that is contained in Jesus Christ, the unchanging epigraph of the Word of God is Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us as partakers of the body of Christ, we to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit, what we need to do or what is to be done from our side so we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new or way or form of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. 
that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this command we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs. And these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting questions contained in these verbs will depend on whether we transform ourselves into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. Or more specifically, will the completion of our salvation happen that has been given to us in the format of a guarantee? and our names be blotted out of the book of life forever, although they may have been once written there. In a particular format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the question, what conditions are we to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we began the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Jesus Christ in righteousness and holy truth. Linked to clothing ourselves into our new person, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help, that is, we need His mercy to dress ourselves into the new person, because the mercy of God is one of the great and unique power of God. The mercy of God is the great power of God, identified, identifying His essence and is a help for us in His truth. The means of receiving any kind of help from God is the weapon or tool of prayer. Prayer isn't just the means by which a man communicates with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven to do his work here on earth. And we are called to give God this right only upon his established conditions. <clears throat> In other words, prayer needs to be in accordance to the requirements of the conditions that are written in Scripture. One of these is the prayer of David, written in the 143rd Psalm of David, where we see the conditions upon which we are to give God the right to interject himself in the works of the earth or in our own lives. Psalm 143, 1 through 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications, in your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. I, rem I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies, in you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. 
Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Therefore, to be heard by God, David needed to present to God a basis, a cause, or a particular right that would be able to serve as sufficient evidence before God for the inter inter interference or intervention of God's work in David's life with his faithfulness and righteousness. And such evidence in this particular prayer were ten arguments that David presented to God, saying, Hear me. Hear my prayer in your faithfulness and in your righteousness. Hear my prayer because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. Hear my prayer because I spread out my hands to you. Hear my prayer for in you do I trust. Hear my prayer because I lift up my soul to you. Hear my prayer because in you I take shelter. Hear my prayer for you are my God. Hear my prayer for your name's sake. Hear my prayer for your righteousness' sake. And hear my prayer for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument. This was evidence that David abided in faithfulness and righteousness that gave God the lawful right to stand on the side of David in his opposition against his enemies. And we stopped to study the second argument. This was evidence that David presented in his prayer that he abided in the memories of the days of old and all the deeds that God had done in those days. From this we came to the conclusion that to be heard by God in the revelations of his Urim, it is necessary to keep within your mind the works of God. This is his thummim that God has done in the days of old. With this, we began to study a series of such questions. Who or what, in its essence, is the remembrance of the works of God imprinted in the days of old? And when we're talking about this, this talks about imprinted upon the heart of man, not somewhere abstract in scripture, but what is the remembrance of the works of God in, imprinted in the days of old upon the tablets of the human heart? What purpose is the remembrance of the works of God called to fulfill imprinted in the days of old upon the tablets of the human heart? What price is necessary to be paid to have this remembrance of the works of God? done in the days of old and printed in the days of old upon our personal heart and what by what results are we able to conclude that we have this remembrance of the works of God done by him in the days of old studying the first question by what what by itself is memory in its essence as well as its definition we came to the conclusion that memory that is contained in man is a program placed within a programmable system this is a man created by God this program, which is memory, contained in the stem cells are carriers of various informational programs, identify the unique quality of the personal nature of a man as well as his sovereign boundaries or his sovereign eye. As it is written, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23, 7 confessing before God the deeds done by him in the days of old as the faith of your heart we give God the right for the intervention of his mercy in our life as it is written <clears throat> when my soul fainted within me I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into the holy temple Jonah 2.7 and so when it's talking about my prayer 
It doesn't mean God just heard it. He responded to it. When he hears, he responds. The prayer of a sinner, he does not hear. That's why he doesn't respond to it. But when it's talking about the fact that it came, it reached God, that means he responded to it. Keeping within your heart the program of memory of the works of God done by him in the days of old and confessing it as the faith of your heart, we blot out the informational program of destruction passed down to us from the sinful life or conduct of our fathers. And the opposite effect, when you focus your eyes and your thoughts upon the works of men, you blot out the memory of the works of God within your heart. Although it was there before, and in this way deprive ourselves of the right to eternal life and ourselves condemn ourselves to perish in the lake of fire. The memory of a person by itself that is contained in his image thinking as a program itself is the strength and weapon of man, and if you deprive him of this memory, he will appear as a destroyed city. Psalm 9.6 If you take his memory from him, take his thumb and the holy word that is written in his heart, he will be as a destroyed city. O enemy, destructions are finished forever, and you have destroyed cities, even their memory has perished. Psalm 9, 6. Remembrance of the works of God contained in the heart of a person in his image thinking as the genetic program of God is the inheritance of Christ that is passed down exclusively from one righteous generation to another righteous generation that is by learning, by being instructed in the faith. Psalm 102, 12. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to all generations. The remembrance of the works of God that is contained in the heart of man in image thinking in the format of the genetic program of God is within the heart of a man a holy memorial of God and the component of God's unfading glory, which is the place of God's abiding. Psalm 34, sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. It means the holy place that God ab- within, within which God abides. Which, that is the heart of a person born from God. Based upon the many verses in Scripture, all of the m- miracles and works of God that were done by Him in the days of old and carved as a signet upon the tablets of our heart is a revelation of the saving grace of God, who God is to us, and what He has done for us. Psalm 111.4 He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. This is a very unique thing, the great mercy that God has allowed to write upon the tablets of his heart, the program of his mercy, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. Studying the second question, what purpose is the remembrance of the works of God done in the days of old and written upon the tablets of of our heart called to fulfill in our relationship with God? We in a particular format have already looked at three components that serve as a memorial before God and stop to study the fourth component. This is the breastplate of judgment that contains in itself the mystery of the Urim and the Thummim, by the means of which God is able to hear man, and man was able to hear God. This component was a continual remembrance before God. The rest of the items were just uh, temporary memorials. And God remembered about Noah, about the covenant he had with Noah. This covenant was that God This means that he didn't continually keep it in his mind, but he remembered it when it was time to lead him out of the ark. If he would not have led him out of the ark, 
and it would not have remembered him, then he would have perished in that ark. But we know that God never forgets anything. And when it's talking about God remembered, that means that there's a remembrance that is uh, connected with time, that in a, in a particular time, God says, I will do something or fulfill my promise. And when this time comes, then he, will, he does it. But the breastplate of judgment is an element of continual memory before God. And this is, of course, a symbol of the format of continual prayer. And so prayer that is not in accordance to the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer. Looking at the breastplate of judgment, we have approached studying the most mysterious phenomenon in the Christian life. And this is prayer because only the format of continuous prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to enter into the holy place as kings and priests of God. We are called to present the interests of the judgments of God in accordance to those commandments and statutes that identify the union of teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh in the twelve precious stones and the twelve names of the sons of Jacob written upon those stones. Because of the 12 <coughs> precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, we are able to enter through the 12 pearly gates. And so the breastplate of judgment is a continual remembrance before God. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2 <coughs> Continuity in prayer is being vigilant, standing guard at the doors of your heart, which, call, which is called to deliver us from the coming trials. Such vigilance is identified as a brightly burning lamp that identifies the condition or state of our good or righteous heart. Proverbs 13.9, the light of the righteous rejoices, <clears throat> but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. The lamp is was uh, lit up by God at one point and the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So how does the, un how does the unclean have a burning lamp? He then became unclean. In order to become unclean, you first need to be holy with a burning lamp. But when a person receives a wicked thought in his heart, begins to break the commandments of God, begins to break the order of God, when he replaces the revelation of the Holy Spirit uh, with his intellectual ideas, saying he doesn't understand things the way that God uh, presents them, he is trying to... Uh, take the position of God and he becomes unclean and then his lamp begins to die. This person begins to die for God. Revealing in this parable the essence of the joyously burning lamp, Jesus in his time said, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to, and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21:36. The building order of the breastplate of judgment presents the demands that the true worshiper of God needs to have whom God seeks. Breaking the order of building of the order of the breastplate of judgment, identifying the state and nature of the worshiper of God, will not be able to be called the breastplate of judgment as it loses its nature. 
Jonah 4, <coughs> or John 4, 23, 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him shall, must worship in spirit and in truth. Upon practice, worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture, as people have done at all times and many do today. Many Christians, because of their stiff neck and their greed and hypocrisy. We note that in the Septuagint, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice. As by the means of the Urim and the Thummim that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgment. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment, as we understand, is revealed as the conscience of a man. This is practically the symbol of the conscience of a man, purified from dead works, upon the tablets of whom, just as the sign it, the teaching of Jesus Christ is written. From there, from the conscience, uh, you will receive uh, signs or alerts, say, when you're thinking something, uh, attempting to do something uh, that is not in accordance to the truth that you've already written in there. In this way, specifically, the conscience that is purified of dead works with the writing of faithfulness and righteousness upon its tablets will identify the nature of a true worshiper that will give God the right to act in them and through them upon planet Earth, and it is these kinds of worshipers that the Heavenly Father seeks for himself. In a particular format, we have already studied the measurements and the materials from which the breastplate of judgment was supposed to be built. So the foundation of prayer, and now have been studying the next requirement which states, and you shall put into the breastplate of judgment, you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones, sardius, topaz, and emerald, second row is turquoise, sapphire, and diamond, the third, jacinth, agate, and amethyst, and fourth, beryl, onyx, and jasper. They shall be set in gold settings, and the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engraving of a signet, each one with its own name, they shall be according to the twelve tribes. <coughs> Exodus 28, 17 through 21. And so the, the squared breastplate of judgment in which there was a urim and the thummim, out, outside there were precious stones, and in, at the backs of each one of these stones, the names of each of the sons of Jacob were carved, carved out. And so the 12 golden filigree settings of the breastplate of judgment is the written upon the tablets of our heart, the undamaged and presented in its original form, truth, identified as the word of God at, that at one point came out of the mouth of God. This is the immovable foundation each of these filigree settings, you will not be able to change it, its measurements or its quality, because the Word of God is unchanging forever and ever. <clears throat> and this Word of God and the format of the judgment of God within our heart is presented as the teaching of Christ, of Christ that came in the flesh that we as worshipers of God are called to present within our continual prayer. The twelve precious stones with engraved upon them as a sign it names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of our continual prayer presenting the perfect judgment of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the Word of God that were prepared and adjusted in measurement and configuration for the precious stones, but it was the precious stones which are our prayers 
are the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings. And so our prayers need to be in accordance to the requirements of the Word of God, and not our uh, fantasies or our other ideas, even if they're greatly artistic. And so continual prayer is, first of all, a persisting prayer that reveals itself in trust in God, one that's persisting, one that continues, that does not stop. That reveals, that reveals itself in trust in God, where a person presents the interests of God, not his will, not his desires, not his own needs, but the interests of God, and in his intercessions does not back down or refrain from his appointed goal until what is being requested is received. And such trust upon the tablets of our heart presented in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the carved upon them twelve names of the sons of Jacob, therefore do not cast away our confidence which has great reward. Hebrews 10.35. Therefore trust where upon the tablets of our heart there is an absence of the breastplate of judgment containing in itself the virtue of the twelve precious stones with the carved upon them twelve names of the sons of Jacob cannot be trust. We know so if a person says he has trust but he's not familiar with the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh specifically every one of them the twelve teachings then he does not have hope, he's just deceiving himself. The crisis that will test him will reveal that he does not have hope. He'll go to a psychologist and not pray to God. He will then take pills, but he will not pray, and he will not receive the truth of the word of God, and he will not confess it as the faith of his heart. Further, we note that building of the breastplate of judgment in the twelve precious stones contains in itself the same order that the twelve precious foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem have, as well as the order of the twelve pearly gates. However, there is a different function and a different purpose for the breastplate of judgment. The built order of the twelve precious foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem that that we had at one point studied contains the strategy of the 12 elementary teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, by which we are called to grow ourselves into the image of the perfection that is in the likeness of, of God. The 12 precious foundations of the wall is our goal, reaching or fulfilling the goal, <clears throat> therefore you shall be perfect, that's our goal. Reaching or fulfilling the goal gives us the right to eat of the fruits of the tree of life, bearing fruit twelve times each month, its fruit. The built order of the twelve pearly gates of the New Jerusalem contains in itself the strategy of the trials with Christ, which are the keys to entering the kingdom of heaven, which is the tree of life that bears fruit of life each month. <clears throat> And so this is our price for the right to eat of the fruits of the tree of life or the price for the right to be dressed into the fruits of the tree of life, which is the fruits of resurrection or the fruits of righteousness. The building of the breastplate of judgment is the means. We know that prayer is the means. And so the building of the breastplate of judgment is the means that signify continual prayer necessary for reaching the goal God has placed for us in the building of the tree of life. The order of the tree of life is the building of the new man, created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth. <clears throat> 
So this is the result or reward of eternal life for overcoming trials with Christ presented in the 12 pearly gates. And we will remember that all of the beauty and order of the temple was built for one holy item and for the sake of one only item. And this, golden, and this was the golden ark of the covenant. The same thing with the ephod of the high priest with the connected to it breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item. The sign of very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark. This was the Urim and the Thummim. The golden ark as well as the breastplate of judgment symbolically represented the conscience of a man that was cleansed from dead works. The Urim and the Thummim in Hebrew mean light and perfection, light and the right, or the revelation and truth. And for example, the Ten Commandments that were placed inside the Ark of the Covenant was the truth, and this truth upon the breastplate of judgment was the Thummim. There, the Ten Commandments in the Ark, and here the Thummim upon the breastplate of judgment. The revelation that a person could receive at the mercy seat or the lid, or the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was the Urim. And so, a, only a person that contains a conscience that is cleansed from dead works or a wise heart, a upon the tablets of whom the truth is written can be a worshiper of God. This is the Thummim. That is why the revelation of God, which is the Urim, was able to be only within the boundaries of the truth in the form of the Thummim. That is the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. As it is written, I have put wisdom in the heart of the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. <clears throat> I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31, 6. Practically, we are talking here about the quality of wisdom that is contained in the Thummim and the Urim, and about the fact that those who carry the Thummim and the Urim are worshippers of God and possess the unique immune system of the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 33, 8 through 11. And of Levi he said, Let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who say, says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, <coughs> nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the works of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Deuteronomy 33:8-11. See how God cares for the carriers of the Urim and the Thummim, possessors of it. Looking at this blessing that Moses, the man of God, blessed Levi with, we can see that people that join themselves to the chosen by God nation, but confront those who carry the Thummim and the Urim, and hate those who carry, hate because they themselves do not carry the Thummim and the Urim, have an undesired future in the lake of fire with ashes and brimstone. Although they are the children of Abraham, they will fall to hell because they have confronted those who carry the Urim and the Thummim. <coughs> In a particular format, we have already looked at and studied the first five qualities or five precious stones of a worshiper by which God is able to continually reveal his interests upon planet Earth and stop to study the sixth quality of a worshiper. The sixth quality of a worshiper revealed upon the breastplate of judgment of our heart in the virtue of the precious stone diamond, 
at the sixth name in the second row from the bottom up on the precious stone with the breastplate of judgment of our heart is the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, which means wrestler. And Rachel's maid Bila conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. Genesis 37, 8. We note that the diamond is a brilliant stone. The word brilliant really doesn't apply to any other stone except for the diamond. <coughs> the brilliant stone itself is a very strong stone and has great hardiness and solidity. Considering the meaning of the name Naphtali, wrestler carved upon the precious stone diamond, a weapon we need to utilize to confront the battles against our confront and battle against our enemies is continual prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit that is in accordance to the requirements of the precious diamond stone faceted with a brilliant polish. According to the Jewish rabbinate, and so as we remember that every stone <coughs> identified the name of God and a characteristic of God, a characteristic that a prayer, a worshiper in prayer is to possess and have. According to the Jewish rabbinate, the name of God we see revealed in the precious diamond stone in Hebrew is El Hai, which when translated means God is alive. Therefore, based on the definitions of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we can conclude that the function of the sixth principle placed into the foundation of our continual prayer with which we need to be a continual memorial before God is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, Ephesians 6.18. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit conjoins us in our prayer battle upon one condition. And that is when our prayer satisfies the requirements of the perfect will of God, El Hai, contained upon the tablets of our heart in the conditions of the breastplate of judgment, Jeremiah 10.10. But the Lord is true, is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. The name of the living God was a format of an oath and a ca the category of the holy nation that did not learn to vow with the living God or falsely use that name, absolutely were destroyed. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people, to swear by my name as the Lord lives. The path of God is by swearing by the name of the living God. The Lord living is the God before whom I stand. I will do this and this or I will remain confident in my hope as they taught my people to swear by Baal then they shall be established in the midst of my people 
But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. So if they do not swear by the name El Hai, he shall pluck them up and destroy those that nation. And so the people that do not vow by the name of the living God will be destroyed, eliminated. Specifically, swearing by the name of God allows him to reveal his life. When you say, living is the God before whom I stand, I will not bend to the right or to the left from the commandments of God, and I will fulfill them even if everyone abandons me. We need to not depend from men, but depend from the living God. In Hebrew, the word alive, when it comes to God, means abiding, one who is, with unconditional authority, defining Genesis, creating a Genesis, holding Genesis, keeping Genesis, ruling over a Genesis, and commander and lord of the Genesis. Deuteronomy 10, 20 through 21. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oath in his name. He is your praise and he is your God. You can, oath only, you can make an oath only with the name of the living God, not any other name, but only one name. He is your praise and he is your God, who has done for you those great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. The result of the oath of vowing or making an oath with the name of God was always fulfilling the promises of God for the sake of which the oath was made. When an oath was made by the name of the living God, God takes upon himself the responsibility to fulfill this oath and nothing will stand in his way. Joshua 3.10 through 13. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hevites, Parasites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. He vows by the name of the living God that he will drive out from them all of these people. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all of the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. And it shall come to pass as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all of the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that came down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So the name of the living God will stop death. The nations living upon the territory of the land of Israel, this is our primary enemy. Sim they symbolize our genetic program, which we have inherited from the sinful conduct of our fathers. And to eliminate or blot out this program of death from our essence, it is necessary in our prayer battle to counter or replace it with the program of life that is contained in the name of the living God, presented upon the tablets of our heart and the breastplate of judgment upon the precious diamond with the name of Neftali. Therefore, based on the characteristics contained in the virtue of the name God El Hai, or God is Alive, we can conclude that the quality of a worshiper contained in the name of the living God is called to demonstrate a limitless or unconditional power of God over Genesis in the allotted to us time and boundaries, and to present the virtues and qualities of a worshiper worshiping in spirit and in truth, and the qualities of the precious diamond presenting the living God with the carved upon them name of Neftali, whose name means wrestler or man giving the Holy Spirit the ability to battle together with him against the organized powers of hell or darkness confronting us when we fulfill the will of God. We turn to 
to the significantly important characteristics contained in the name of the living God, identifying the virtues of the brilliant diamond that every worshiper of God needs to possess in their prayer battle, identifying the qualities of the name Naphtali. This is why it, is, it was necessary for us to determine what goal God had in his intentions when he urged, his, urged and called his children to become warriors in prayer. Also, in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that a man may present the interests of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God. Based on scripture, to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all times. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling, to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in their prayer battles. This is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. The prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an unearthly genesis, therefore is inaccessible to the comprehension of the human mind or with human abilities <clears throat> with our intellect from all forms of service this form of prayer is the most difficult form of service that most Christianity for the most part avoids forsakes and refuses 1 Timothy 1.18 This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. And so to define and build a specific system that will help us comprehend the signs identifying a warrior in prayer that would be able to be based on specific commandments of God and upon the specific fulfillment of those commandments, based upon the revelations written in Scripture, <clears throat> based upon the rev of, of revelations written in Scripture, our prayer and the quality of a warrior in prayer identifies the by, identified by the virtues of the diamond needs to be relentless or continual, needs to be persistent, needs to be diligent or zealous, needs to be with boldness, needs to be with reverence, with faith and hope upon God, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues. <clears throat> in a particular format, we have already looked at the signs of the first three components. The nature of prayer that identifies the state of a warrior in prayer as well as his prayers. <clears throat> the state of the warrior himself and his purse. Today we will look at as much as the Lord will allow and the measure of our faith, the fourth component in the nature of a warrior in prayer. And this is boldness. In Scripture, the quality or character that is in the word boldness that is identified in prayer, this is a command, identification, and a military command that if not fulfilled with will result in death or a broken relationship with God, which is pretty much the same thing. <clears throat> with this, as, as with the previous components, we need to understand that it's talking about such a format of boldness that belongs to the state of the heart of the worshiper, and such boldness is called to be present in all things that a person does with diligence and from the soul. Because the genesis of, of, of this boldness, it actually is not dependent from the present time that we live in, as it is above it. 
It depends on the Son and the Holy Spirit, and these both utilize boldness when speaking with God. To better understand the element of boldness, to identify the essence of boldness and see its presence in our relationship with God, we need to define the essence and purpose of boldness, the price for obtaining boldness, <coughs> keeping and developing boldness, and the fruit and reward for boldness. So let us look at what scriptures reveal in the character and quality of boldness, what position it gives boldness, and what rank or quality it has in its essence, as well as what purpose and application it has within our life. <clears throat> in all places of scripture, the word in Hebrew, the boldness in Hebrew, uh, has a very interesting set of definitions. And so in Hebrew and in Greek, boldness is a sin is sincerity and a directness in your relationship with God, confidence and sure hope in God, strong reliance upon God, testimony of the acceptance and respect you have to God, the obedience of your faith to the faith of God, <coughs> the expression and revelation of truth obtained in redemption, the right based upon righteousness obtained in the blood of Jesus, unity with the right obtained in the truth of the cross of Christ, the energy of a man purified from the with the fire of the Holy Spirit from the chaff of the flesh, and holiness revealed in the words of righteousness. There exists only one place of scripture where the word boldness is brought at, forth as uh, audacity instead of the true boldness that is God's boldness. And so the translations in, in the Bible uh, or the translation from the original, some were translated incorrectly. 2 Samuel 6, 3 through 7. This is the only place where it shows boldness as a negative thing, as audacity, which should have been replaced with audacity and not boldness. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the son of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps and stringed instruments, on tambourines and cymbals. And when they came to <clears throat> Nachan's threshing floor, Uzzah put, on his, put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. In this place of scripture, <clears throat> boldness, uh, the boldness that they're referring to is not boldness, it's audacity. <clears throat> and so in Hebrew, this word boldness, uh, this version of, of boldness is actually audacity or forsaking or self-will. And so based upon specific places of scripture, defining the essence and purpose of the word boldness is directly linked to the quality of our faith, our hope, and our trust that is obtained in the service of the New Testament, that is the service of justification. Linked with this, we will look at the definitions and essence of boldness in eight components, as eight symbolizes the covenant of man has with God 
And although we're going to only bring eight of them, there are many more. So the first boldness in prayer is the presence of the lawful right for possessing what we ask for from God within our heart. <coughs> Again, it is the presence of the lawful right for possessing what we ask for from God within our heart. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16 And so boldness is the right to, to have what we're asking from God. The throne of grace that or the mercy seat that we need to come to to receive uh, help in the time of need, we need to approach with boldness, is the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. It is called the mercy seat. The mercy seat is where the Lord reveals the revelation of his Urim <coughs> to the mystery of the Thummim that is laying in the Ark of the Covenant, which are the two tablets. The lawful right that we are asking for is the good and perfect will of God. We are asking something from God, something uh, that is in accordance to his good and acceptable and perfect will of will. Not what is in our will or in accordance to our will within the boundaries of our will, but God's. From this we can see that boldness in prayer is the realization and fulfillment of the will of God that is good, acceptable, and perfect. Boldness in prayer is a bold strive to possess that what we ask for from God, and it's based upon the utilization and trust upon the means and strength that is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure waters. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And so boldness in prayer, in the prayer of faith, is the unconditional lawful right based upon the blood of the cross of Christ. Enter into the holy place without boldness is demonstrating within your heart demonstrating a heart that is uh, uncleansed or unclean, unpurified from dead works. Boldness in prayer, in the prayer of faith, is the acceptance and proclamation of our hope upon the righteousness of God, which we receive freely by the grace of God. Boldness in, in the prayer of faith is getting your will, which is identified as the precious diamond, adjusted to the measurements of God's will, which are the golden filigree settings that are placed within the breastplate of judgment. Considering that Boldness in prayer is born and is produced by the means of the blood of the of Jesus Christ. Boldness in the in the prayer of faith is considered the blood of the covenant, holy with a covenant which is holy, with our conscience cleansed from dead works. <clears throat> in this place of, place of scripture, we see a sincere heart of, that is with full assurance and it, it is to be sprinkled and our bodies purified with, uh, with waters and holding our, on to our confessions. Without these com, uh, components, our boldness in prayer will turn into audacity and disobedience and self-will. A sincere heart as a component of boldness is 
sincerity and honesty of the human heart where a person uh, seeks not his will but the will of God. And so, boldness in prayer is a demonstration before God of the sincere heart that you have, where a person presents the interests of the will of God and not his personal will. Oh, full faith is an absolute obedience of our faith to the faith of God that we receive by hearing the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. And so, boldness in prayer is a demonstration before God of an absolute and desired obedience to God's will. Washing your body with pure water as a component of boldness is cleansing our motives from foreign items of the flesh and other types of teachings that are not in accordance to the teaching that is from Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. From this we can conclude that boldness in prayer is the cleansing of our motives from foreign items and foreign chaff or chaff that is not in accordance to the norms of the teaching of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the absence of boldness in prayer is not considering as the blood, the blood of the covenant as holy and profaning or trampling upon the, the spirit of grace. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace? Hebrews 10, 29. Boldness in prayer is brought forth in the heart of a person from his good service to God that is prepared by those who pray. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. First Timothy 3.13 It is clear that boldness can be of different levels and different weights and, and it can reveal itself in different ways. And so faith in Christ where there's an absence of boldness cannot be called faith because faith is the obedience that you have to the will of God. The absence of boldness is a demonstration of disobedience. And having an absence of boldness Unfortunately, it is presented in churches today as a form of humility, having this absence of boldness. And it's a conspirated type of rebellion. And so great boldness is seen as the result of a great level of faith. The genesis of, of faith or boldness in your faith we see that there are many definitions of boldness, and great boldness in faith itself is the greatest level of obedience to God, and the greatest level of obedience to God is the great boldness that you have in your faith. And so, based upon words of Scripture, great boldness in faith is a specific spiritual rank or the greatest level and greatest calling in the hierarchy of the body of Christ before His angels. Such a level for those who serve well is the rank of a king and a priest. This is the level of service to God that the Son of God has. And the first step for receiving such a level is becoming a king and a priest and a war captain. And so, of course, 
deciding these things, of course, doesn't immediately make you this way or gives you that boldness, but serving each other with all the gifts that you have to, we then will receive this position. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father, Galatians 4, 1, 2. Fourth, boldness in prayer is following specific order, striving to possess that what we want or ask from God and what we serve God with. So, then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. Second Samuel 6-7, we could see from this tragedy that great boldness is linked to specific rights and a specific order, where a person coming near to the throne of grace or mercy seat needs to know his position, needs to know his time and his service to God. It's very important. Otherwise, his boldness will be seen by God as audacity, and his service that he is trying to present to God, if he is not placed by God to fulfill that service specifically, his service needs to be coming in the church, through the church, then this person is not serving God, but is actually resisting God and prompting God's wrath uh, against him. And so before we uh, can present any kind of promise or service to God, we need to uh, decide within ourselves whether we are within God's order. Do we have Do we uh, have our position in the body of Christ and a service that is, and do we have a service not for our own boldness or we need need to understand upon what foundation are we doing our service. Is it the flesh that is the foundation of these things or is it God that is the foundation of these things? Because the breaking of any of these or having a foundation that is not God will turn uh, not God's favor upon you but God's wrath upon you. Fifth, boldness in prayer is a identification of not what we feel but what we know what is not in the aspects of our feelings but what is within our, the aspect of our knowledge in which we have boldness in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him Ephesians 3.12 it is very a very important component from this we can see that boldness is not what we feel because feelings can be dece deceiving. Faith, unlike our feelings, is knowledge and information that has come to us by hearing the word of God, not what we feel, but what we know by the preached word that is given to us from his God's delegated people. We need to clearly understand for ourselves one spiritual principle that God never will turn to our feelings or prompt us to be led by our feelings. God's word that God turns to us, to us with is God's information, and this information is uh, for our informational organ that is within us and not our feelings. God created us in his likeness and with the informational organ, the informational organ controls the emotional aspect or emotional organ. This is... Uh, the emotional organ is as a horse, a uh, uh, heated horse, but the informational organ is this, a symbol of the mind of Christ that will control that horse. It's bad when the horse controls a man. He will take him uh, who knows where. 
all the feelings. I feel the Lord is with me. I feel that the Lord was here, someone says. You can't feel that the Lord is here. You can't feel if he's here or not here. You can know if he's here or not here because you need to examine yourself and you examine uh, yourself by the word of God, whether God is with you or not. If a person feels that God is with him and at the same time he's, he's in sin but he feels then what does this mean, that God is with him or not? I had told you before, some people come to me with confessions and sometimes they hide and don't tell me everything, of course. I told you of, of a situation where a woman came to me and said, Pastor, if my heart doesn't condemn me, then God doesn't condemn me either. And I said, I wanted to say yes, that's how it's written, but he, God stopped me and said, be careful, she is in a an adulterer and she and her conscience doesn't judge her for the sin she's doing and I told her this is correct but if the word of God says this is a sin but the conscience doesn't condemn you that means that the conscience is burnt out and you need to orient, uh, focus now not on the conscience but the word of God if the word of God in your conscience doesn't condemn you for a sin that you commit and these are sins then that means that your conscience has burned out we need to perfectly understand what the emotional organ is. I know many people, they feel God is with them, although they're in terrible sins. They're so used to this. They are in terrible sins, but these sins don't worry them. Their conscience doesn't condemn them. And you know why? Because when the conscience doesn't judge a person, that means this is an unclean person. Because if the conscience begins to condemn him, he will begin to repent, he will begin to see God. The unclean people, however, God gave this kind of command. Let they not hear, let them not see, and may they not understand with their heart, so that I may destroy them. Because if they see, hear, and understand, then I will be required to heal them. But God, uh, he puts them into a specific kind of a position where their conscience no longer judges them, and they easily are rolling it to hell when they think that they're going to heaven. Here's what Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. Here we're talking about the emotional organ as well, and the informational organ. We have the one and the other within us, and we need to control our emotions and not the emotions controlling us. But the natural man, the natural man is a person controlled by emotions. He does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He says, I don't feel this. Do you feel that God touched you? But why does he not touch me? I know God touches me not by my emotions or my feelings, but the information he gave me. I can sometimes feel that. But I examine this with the information I have. I don't base it on my, what I feel. Sometimes my feelings are silent. God can come very close, but the feelings are quiet because it's not within our interests. Often when God is very, very close to us, that is when, when the flesh doesn't want to do something and it doesn't feel comfortable in that moment. Ask a question. Tell me, Jesus on the cross, how did he feel? He had fulfilled the greatest will of God. The greatest will of God. What did he feel in the moment? Imagine if you felt that 
and at the same time know that you're fulfilling the will of God. This is the, the height. When a person says, oh, I feel well, but God, or I don't feel well, God left me, I think something's wrong. A person of the flesh or a natural man does not receive what is of the Spirit because he considers it foolishness. If he doesn't feel, then he considers it as foolishness and cannot understand because and he cannot discern spiritually discern but he who is spiritually spiritually who spiritually judges he judges all things that he himself is rightly judged by no one boldness in prayer is such an order where the informational or, organ controls the emotional organ again I want this to be very well remembered by us and sealed upon our heart carved upon our heart our heart that boldness in prayer is such an order where the informational organ of a man controls and puts into obedience the emotional organ of a man or submits into obedience. The level of boldness can be different and will depend on your level of love to God. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. First John four seventeen and 18. The quality and level of love to God is examined by the absence of fear of being un imperfect or unfulfilled in God. If you feel that you are not worthy of God, you are not sufficient, then you don't have the perfect will of God. And don't, of course, you then cannot have normal boldness that you're supposed to. The quality and level of love to God depends on our level of hope and trust upon the word of God written upon our heart when everything begins to shake but you begin to hope upon the word of God what is written there living is the God whom I serve and I will not die I will live but the doctor said you have only a month two three months but you say the Lord is alive I will not die because when it's written there you can confront this they confront you with the death inform, uh, the information of, that, of death but you confront it with the information of life and the boldness of God will lift you up he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from the grave and so the quality and level of love to God depends on the level of our trust and hope upon the faith of God written upon our heart and the level of our trust in God depends on the level of our collaboration of our faith with the faith of God and so our faith is obedience to the faith of God the faith of God is hearing the, the word of God is the faith of God how much we will obey what we hear and not what we feel or what we see or the situation which we are in 
The level of the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God is dependent on the level of the quality of how you hear the word and the meditation of the word that when you hear it. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given, and whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him. <coughs> Luke 8, 18. And so the greater the level of preparation to listen to the word of God, we read, read here on our screen, when you enter to the house of God, be prepare yourself not for giving sacrifice but for listening to the word of God for they do not know that they do evil when they don't prepare their heart and so the level of preparation the greater the level of love we'll have for God and the greater will our boldness be in prayer that we give to God the right then to intervene, in our, intervene into our life and show his mercy and so boldness is the element of perfect love for God that also drives away any kind of fear of not being perfect or ex acceptable to God or worthy of him this kind of fear the fear of uh, uh, demonic fears, an absence of boldness. It's a, it's a crime to, with this kind of fear to even come to God. Although, even though millions of people with such fear stand before God and think that when they say, Lord, I am not worthy, that, that what they're saying this, that I'm not worthy of your mercy, they think that they're not worthy, yes. We're not worthy because God gave it to us, but we need to have boldness. We are not worthy, but He is worthy. When a person of God prays, I'm not worthy, He means I'm not worthy for myself, by myself, but I'm worthy in you. When you come with the name of the living God, you are worthy because you are presenting not yourself, you're presenting Christ before God when he is within you then you present this thumb before God you present the perfect perfection of God you don't present yourself remember you present Christ that lives within you not yourself not your weakness and not what you feel but what you know that what God has placed into you what you've received what you have been conceived with what is growing within you what you're watering seventh purpose of boldness and prayer is, can, is to reveal to all in heaven, on earth, and in hell what the, are the mysteries of, of God himself and to reveal to all these mysteries as to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, 9 through 12. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers of the heavenly places. And so the mystery that is in Jesus Christ can become known through the churches, through church, uh, to the, uh, to the princi principalities and powers, and this can happen exclusively by the boldness that the nation will have, giving God access to 
do his work. And so the many hierarchies of the angelic hosts to be able to know the great wisdom of God, for them to know this and the mysteries of God. It's completely dependent from the boldness that his nation has. From this, we could see that the boldness of God in prayer so practically when we're talking about the boldness that we have in prayer everything that is in this world the sun rises and sets the windows or the winds blow the 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 ice and the snow falls then the the suns melt sun melt, melts the snow empires that are are risen then fall all of these things are tools uh, that God is using for the b- great building of his mystery they were necessary the angels are not understanding God's wisdom completely and they can only understand it by the boldness of a man that comes to God in prayer and in this boldness because boldness is building God's mystery building yourself into the house of God and then the angels of God begin to see something not simple angels but the principalities and hosts of heaven so you see God left them not knowing it was covered with Christ or in Christ and in God and now it's revealed through his people who have this boldness in prayer eighth boldness in prayer is an expression of such a glorious hope that abides within the heart of a redeemed by God person that we with an open face will as in a mirror, look at the glory of the Lord and be transformed into the image of his glory, and not as Moses, who covered his face so that Israelites would not see this glory or the end of the temporary glory that was upon him, because the glory that he had was temporary. Even though he had glory, it was temporary, it was still glorious. For if the ministry of the condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, that what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. From where does great boldness come? From great hope. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel, you see how Moses, he did not have boldness from the glory that was in him and the hope that he had. He didn't have hope because he laid a covering over his face, a veil. <clears throat> but we having this, so the children of Israel could not, but, but we, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ but even to this day when Moses is read a veil lies on their heart and so the revelation of Urim this is the veil that removes 
that is removed by Christ. Nevertheless, when <clears throat> when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3 through 18. And so the children of God possess boldness. They can... Uh, pretty much can infect others with that very good boldness. And Moses could not do this. The Israelites ran from him. We transform from glory to glory, and those who see this, they also begin to transform into that glory. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We begin to transform into a glory that is eternal. Having such hope, we have great boldness. The hope that was in the Old Testament and the, bold, the, the boldness that was in the Old Testament and the one that was in the New Testament. The people that could not see the purpose of the service to God and the service of justification so he covered his face but we transformed into the same image from glory to glory there exists a big difference between the glory that came from the face of Moses and the glory that comes from the Lord's Spirit the glory that comes from the face of Moses brought pe the people of Israel to fear because it, uh, it pretty much the law it revealed the fact that there are servants to sin but the glory that comes from the face of the representative of the New Testament is called to demonstrate liberty from sin from this we can see that boldness in prayer is the demonstration of the glory of God that identifies liberty in Jesus Christ. Liberty in Jesus Christ. People who do not possess boldness do not have liberty. They are slaves. They are slaves of sin. Service of justification is directed to the person that is not a sinner. God first bears him holy and then then turns towards him the service of justification. There, a person was unborn, or not was not born again, was a sinner, and he turned the law against man. But here it is written, H1, who is born from God, does not sin. He cannot sin. The new person, our new person, he does not sin. When we sin, we sin from our old man, but not with our new man. People who sin upon the level of the new man will never have be able to repent. They will not be able to be renewed with repentance if they sin already on, upon the level of the new man. This happens when a person knows the order of God and breaks it. When he attempts to take the position of the person that God has placed over him. When he attempts to break all of these orders. It is written, who has known the essence of God who has known the Holy Spirit, known the power of God, 
known what is the blood of the covenant, know the cross of Christ, and then stepped away. These are not able to be renewed with repentance, and these people will never ever be able to be have liberty again. Again, they're... And so God keeps them, nothing changes uh, in their life, and they don't know that they are already condemned. Their ears will not hear, their eyes will not see, they will not understand, they will uh, complain, they will go where they will understand everything, where they will shout, they'll evangelize and change others uh, into their own way and make them worse than themselves and gather people or gather money uh, for for such things. The scriptures say that God has chosen those who are rich in faith. God has focused upon them. Today, we have looked at just the definition uh, of boldness, but we have not looked at how to receive it and how to develop it in ourselves and what results follow from having it. We will allow that uh, to study. We will allow ourselves to study these things in the next services. Um, if rapture, of course, does not occur. Right now, we will bend our knees however, who is comfortable, and we will thank God for the fact that we have boldness to enter into the holy place and to proclaim our right to what God has done for us and who he is for us. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we worship upon this holy place and with great boldness that we have because of the blood of the covenant that we have, we possess due because of righteousness that we have received in the death of your son, Jesus Christ, and his resurrection. We thank you for this boldness that you have revealed before us this great quality of your children that because of this quality have the right to enter into the presence of your face to demonstrate their obedience to your word to seek your will to fulfill your will to know you in your perfect will. May this information be blessing for us that you have allowed for your nation today. And may this information be the leader for our feelings. May they discipline our horse and direct it not where it wants to go, but where your perfect will wants it to go. May the mind of Christ be blessed within your children now and forever. May you live and may you expand your boundaries by the mind of Christ in the holy person who is yours. May the holy person be blessed that you have given your boldness to that comes from hope and trust upon your word 
that is upon their heart. May the holy people be blessed that have the Thummim in their heart and may your Urim be revealed to them, your revelations to the word that they have within themselves but don't yet understand it. We thank you, Father of heaven and earth, that the time is coming and is already here where you will begin to dress your chosen remainder into your resurrection, dress them, their bodies, not looking at the fact that they in this condition, in the way they are now, do not inherit eternal life, but you will dress their bodies into your glory so that not just their spirit, but their bodies also may demonstrate the glory of eternal life and all of this will happen through boldness with the boldness that we confess in faith waiting for you and proclaiming that you are alive and our our life our soul is alive and we'll be dressed into your glory that will bring into awe and confusion and surprise the nations and will require the unclean to bend their heads and their necks the peop- and they will bend before those that they trampled on and that they persecuted with their tolerance and their other terrible accusations but we thank you father that we can stand and confront all the works of the devil and although they consider us dead we are alive they consider us deceivers but we are faithful they persecute us but we rejoice and glorify you that we have the privilege to overcome the sufferings and all kinds of trials another difficulty for the truth may your mercy be over your people and over your nation may this promise of yours be upon your people and dress them amen our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.